Okay, uh, Cassandra Addict. Uh, I just want to say I'm so grateful to be here. Um, I'm not from this area, and I'm so grateful for Ashley for inviting me here. And I'm just like so amazed by her. Like, um, I'm just I'm so grateful. I did meet Ashley on Zoom. Like, this is just like evidence of a power greater than me working in my life and like showing me that recovery is possible. Like if we really, really want something, we'll, we'll do anything to get it. And um, like, it's, it's kind of weird to get clean on Zoom, right? And like, that's, that's, it's a miracle. Like, I'm just like, wow. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm so, I, it's an honor to be a part of your recovery. And I'm, I'm really grateful that God put you in my life. Um, yeah, so my name is Cassandra. I'm an addict. Uh, my clean date is uh, June 22nd of 2018. And um, for me, the most beautiful thing about my recovery is my relationship with my higher power, who I choose to call God. And uh, for me, it doesn't really follow any rules of religion or anything like that. It's just out of convenience. Um, I refer to my higher power as he and him, but Obviously, my, my higher power doesn't have a gender. It's like omnipotent. Um, so yeah, 25 minutes. So I have a little bit of time to share. I'll just share a little bit about my story. Um, I'm from Northern California, and I actually grew up in a small town. And uh, I grew up in a pretty abusive household as well. Um, I think I can't I think a lot of us did at some point in one form or another. And so for me, um, I, I got really, really depressed and I felt like I just was a financial burden in the household. I just felt really like I wasn't wanted, like a, a piece of unwanted furniture, just kind of like, oh, we don't know where to put it. We don't know what to do with it. And um, so the first time I got loaded was when I was 13 years old and it wasn't in a social scene and my thought at that moment was I just don't want to feel depressed I don't want to feel like this anymore so I'm going to do this to make myself feel better and the first thing that I used was alcohol and I loved it immediately and I just wanted that more of that feeling of oblivion of just escape from reality because when I drank alcohol I was completely removed and I'm sorry if that's like offensive to anyone in this um, in this room or in this fellowship, um, but that's that's my truth, and I'm here to tell the truth, and that's a part of my program is uh, complete honesty, and um, so that was how it began, and I, it was fun for a little while, and um, I was successfully able to avoid reality. I was going through the motions of life but it wasn't good enough. I was getting into too much trouble. So I switched to marijuana. I added marijuana to the mix and um, that still wasn't good enough. I, it was making me too tired. I needed to do things. I needed to go to school. I needed to go to work. And I got arrested when I was uh, 16 years old. And I got arrested for beating up my mother because she kicked me out of the house at 15 and I was so angry and so mad at her for what she did to me because I'm a victim, right? I got so mad at her. I went to her house and I beat her up in front of my brother who was three years old at the time. And um, 
she was yelling at my sisters to call the police. So I got arrested. I got sentenced to the rooms, whatever. And I just felt like it was a bunch of bullshit. I just, I didn't relate because I wasn't ready. I still hadn't suffered enough. And I thought, well, alcohol and marijuana just gets me into too much trouble. You know, I need something that's going to keep me awake a little bit longer. And so um, I was so naive and I was so young. And I said to someone that I was involved romantically with, I said, I want to try some crystal meth is how I said it. So naive. And they're like, what? And I'm just like, yeah, I want some of that. Like that was my bright idea. That was my thinking. Like I thought that would be the solution to my problem instead of really looking at the fact that I was destroying my life because I couldn't control my use of mind altering substances. And that turned into a disaster. And so now I'm way too strung out. I need something to calm me down a little bit. And so then I added heroin into the mix. And um, that's basically the extent of what my using entailed. And uh, it wasn't enough. And it wasn't enough when I had lost all my money. And uh, then I started to throw those things away. You know, my values. Um, my self-worth, everything that I thought I wouldn't do, I started to check off that list. And, um, you know, a little bit of fentanyl came in the mix too. And I'm so grateful to this day, like I'm so grateful that my disease progressed so far that I had to try heroin because if I wouldn't have gotten that far, I wouldn't have become desperate enough to get clean. Like I needed to suffer that much. And God didn't put me through that suffering. I put myself through that suffering. And a desperation is a gift. And, um, you know, at, at the end of my using, I was trying so hard to numb out and I just couldn't get that nod. And it was so painful. And there was nothing I could do. There was not enough people I could sleep with. There was not enough drugs that I could get to get that complete nod. It was just impossible. And um, at, the end of, at the end of that, I was uh, trying so hard to, to, to numb my senses because I had poisoned my body so much that I thought that there was a girl's body rotting into, in my oven. Um, there was maggots hanging from the floor. There were bugs crawling up and down my skin. Um, it was just... It was just a disaster. And um, I didn't get the relief that I wanted from the drug. It just stopped working. And so um, I did try treatment a couple of times. And, uh, you know, every time that I tried treatment, it didn't work, was just evidence to me that I wasn't ready, that I still needed to suffer more. And um, there were times that I did go into fellowships. And I took chips, I took dirty chips. Um, there was a time where I was a chip chick at a meeting and I was like shivering and shaking. And I'm like, yeah, I gotta come take your chip. Um, I've done that. And if that's you today, like, welcome. Like you're right where you're supposed to be. Um, I've been a treasurer at a meeting using and getting loaded and I've stolen the money to go buy drugs and come up. I had an excuse and a justification for everything because once I entered the rooms of the fellowship, I wanted both worlds. I wanted to get high, but I also wanted to live a life of recovery. So, and, and it took a lot of pain 
in order for me to finally be willing to get honest with another human being. There was a time I, I was doing step work with a sponsor and I was completely tweaked out, but she was part of the AA fellowship. So it was fine. I could do steps while tweaking, right? Because it's different, right? And that's the thing about like my program and the fellowship, like it doesn't really matter what we used. What matters is that we suffer from the disease and we're here for a solution and we're here to find recovery. And for me, like even this time around at 90 days clean, I still had a lot of reservations. I had fear of financial security. And because of that, I was still out living that lifestyle, selling drugs, hanging out with people I shouldn't have been hanging out with at 90 days, going to meetings, acting like I was living a life of recovery and out there living a dirty life. And I had to learn that that's not, that is not spiritual progress at all. And this is a spiritual program. And for me, the spiritual growth comes from me walking through fear and having the courage to walk through fear and having faith and trust in my higher power that everything is gonna work out. When I finally let go of that bad habit and that lifestyle, I was still taken care of. I still had everything that I needed. It all worked out, it was still okay. You know, um, I've had a lot of situations like that in my life. I've totaled three cars clean in recovery and I've still been okay. But none of them have been my fault. Like seriously, like, it makes no sense. I don't understand it, but they haven't. There have been times I, I did, um, crash multiple times while I was loaded and I would pay people off not to call insurance companies. But like now I'm on the other side, people are crashing into me and they don't have insurance. And now I get to deal with that clean, with grace, with dignity, with recovery, and it's gonna be okay. Um, the pandemic has brought me a lot of beautiful blessings like Ashley, Tara, Victoria, like there's beauty in everything as long as I get to see it. Like I, this is a beautiful thing right here. Like this entire meeting, like everybody here, like you're a miracle that like you're even sitting here like in a meeting and we're talking about recovery. Like that's such a blessing for me to see this many people like, you know, in a pandemic, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, I lost a friend. Her name is also Ashley. And I'm friends with her mother and her sponsor and she just died because she overdosed, she went out. And um, there's beauty in everything. Like I, I get to choose how I look at things today. And um, how I see it is that God is protecting her now because God doesn't hurt us, we hurt ourselves. And now she's safe. And um, you know, I get to choose how I look at things today and um, nobody forces me to do anything like, I don't really like to speak. I don't really like to share because I'm so self-obsessed and I have a lot of fear of judgment. But the reality of the situation is that like, I need to do this in order to stay clean. And like, I'm willing to do whatever it takes today to stay clean. Like I, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And um, someone was sharing and speaking while I was at my first meeting and I just selfishly took. And now I get, an opportunity to give back. And uh, I know that my higher power, my God always puts me exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I just assume that God put me in this position for some reason. <laughs> and I just have faith and I have trust in it. And it's such a gift I got to hear 
um, Ashley share. Um, I lost my job in the pandemic and I didn't freak out. I didn't resort to negative, negative uh, habits and behaviors. Um, I did work in a treatment center for a short period of time, which was great, except for when it wasn't. When I started to learn the actual practices of the business, I won't go too much into it, but what I will say is that the way that the business operated conflicted with my spiritual values. And then I had a choice. I can either choose to stay here, which would mean participating in this, and contributing to it and being a part of it and allowing it to happen, or I can choose to have integrity and walk away with grace, not walk away like a disaster, like I have done before in jobs, like fuck you, like all this bullshit. No, like I had grace. I put in my two weeks, I said, I'm really, really sorry. I just can't do this because my spiritual condition is at stake here. And my recovery means more to me. And even though I didn't have another job lined up at that moment, I knew it was going to be okay. And it has been okay. Like I got, I was placed in an even better position doing something even more useful and more fulfilling. And, um, you know, for me, that takes a lot of courage to walk away from a financial security net because I've struggled with fear of financial security in the past, but it's all been okay. And I've been able to stand up for my values and for my beliefs, regardless of, of finances. Um, I also went back to school in recovery. I got to go back to school after getting dismissed. I submitted an appeal to UCLA and I said, look, I fucked up. I was completely honest. I was rigorously honest with them. There was no hiding it. And uh, they admitted me back in and I graduated from UCLA. Like, and, and I, there was every reason why they should have said no, but I, I fought for myself and I advocated for myself. And um, I was blessed with the opportunity to go back. And, um, you know, that's just one outside gift of recovery that I get to participate in my life. You know, today I have also relationships with people and I'm still learning how to navigate those clean. And um, I'm still learning how to establish boundaries with people. So, and it's really, it seems easier to say, hey, I'm not cool with that, stop that. But when they do it again, it's, it's harder to maintain that boundary. And um, the reality of the situation is that like, I get to choose who I allow in my life today. And if I don't feel like you're adding to my life, then I can let you go with love. I don't have to be mean or resentful. I can just let you go. Um, also, I, I teach people how to treat me. And uh, I'm learning, I'm very sensitive. I'm very, very sensitive but I'm learning to allow people to be themselves and I can allow myself to be myself. I think that's the true essence of humility, like the sixth step, like really just taking an honest look at my assets and also my liabilities. Like what, who am I truly, what do I truly have to offer? And I'm still figuring that out. And um, I've made so many mistakes in recovery, before recovery and, um, you know, those mistakes allow me to be more forgiving of other people when they make mistakes. 
Like I understand I could be more compassionate and patient and tolerant with other people. And um, I used to have such a, a fragile sense of self that I would, I was kind of like a chameleon. Like I would morph myself into anything that you wanted at that time or whatever I felt like I needed to be at that time in order to make sure you were okay. And um, I realized while doing some step work that that level of people pleasing is a serious problem with honesty because I'm not being honest about what my needs are and I'm not being honest about who I am. And uh, I'm putting your needs before my own. And that's, that's not a life of recovery. There's a difference between people pleasing and being of service. And service is a huge part of my recovery. I need to be of service in order to stay clean. Um, I'm the secretary of a women's meeting. And uh, that women's meeting actually came about shortly after the pandemic began. You know, a couple of us women, we just got together and we needed a meeting and God put me in that position. Um, yeah, I just, I'm really grateful for, for my recovery and my relationship with my higher power because even with after two and a half years clean, I still struggle. And if anyone tells you that they're not struggling, they're lying and they're bullshitting you. Um, I've worked all 12 steps and I'm on step one again. And I'm really focusing on applying the principles to my life. Um, I have over two and a half years clean and I still have auditory hallucinations on a daily basis. And um, I just assume that that is absolutely necessary in order for me to stay clean today. If that, I mean, if after everything that I've done to myself, that it's gonna be okay. And my higher power is not gonna put me through anything that I can't handle. And for a long time, I didn't have the courage to be honest about stuff like that in a, at a group level in a meeting. And the first time that I did, someone came up to me and said, hey, I deal with that too. And that's kind of what this is all about, like sharing our strength and our hope with one another. Like things are not just gonna evaporate and disappear. And um, today I'm just, I'm grateful to be clean. I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful I get to be a part of a beautiful fellowship. And, um, you know, I, I, I really think that this, this life of recovery is how we deal with other people and how we deal with life on life's terms. Like, am I really kind to people when I see them at the grocery store? Am I, what type of driver am I? Am I chasing people down or am I forgiving of people? I'm not the best driver. I will admit, I'm not the best driver. However, I'm not a mean driver. I will let people go in front of me. I will let 10 cars go in front of me. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not a mean driver, but I, I'm courteous. Um, I answer the phone when people call me. I'm available to people when they need me. And um, I show up for myself. And I tell people what my needs are. And especially when they're not being met. And I always have a choice in recovery. Like I always, always, always have a choice. The screensaver on my phone is like a jug of lemonade. 
because like I can make lemonade out of anything. Like, it's all about how I choose to look at things. And um, yeah, the greatest gift of this program has been my relationship with my higher power and my spirituality. And this is a spiritual journey. Like if, you know, I, I hope that you can embark on that. And I hope that you get to feel like that glow and that life inside of you that you've been burning for so long. Like we, it's God's will for us to be happy and to help one another. It's not God's will for us to defeat ourselves or to harm ourselves. And um, I've, I've achieved a, a, a particular level of acceptance with some things like acceptance of my mental health, acceptance of the world's state affairs, <laughs> acceptance of my powerlessness over other people, places and things. Um, and I still have room to grow. And um, I just, I just hope that you give yourself a chance to find, you know, the spirituality within you. So I guess that's, that's all I have to say. Thanks.